Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge Boudreau, joined by Shelly Billinghurst. How's it going, Shelly? Hey, Serge. It's going great. I'm living the dream. How about you? Hey, living the dream is my line. I'll make a note of that. I do apologize for stealing your line, but tell me what's going on in your world. I'm a massive Montreal Canadian fan. So I grew up in the East Coast, grew up French. Montreal Canadians was my life, my life, but a, a portion of my life. And um, yeah. unfortunately, unlike my dad, who grew up in the dynasty of the Montreal Canadian, where they would win the cup every year, as I grew up, they won in 86, yeah. then they went to the finals against Calgary in 89, Calgary won. Then in 93, they won the cup. It was probably one of the childhood memories that I remember yeah. the most for multiple reasons. Nice. Yeah. 28 years after <laughs> they finally make the Stanley Cup again. Finals. The, yeah. The finals. The finals. Yeah. Again my poor wife because I have neglected my kids and my wife when the games is on even though I try not actually I don't try not to it, it just takes my whole focus you can't but help it I know it I, pulls you right into the screen I know believe me I I have sons that played hockey you're a hockey mom so you mm-hmm. get yes. it and so my team it was down three nothing and now they're down three one so they won the last game I think they're going to come back. The Cinderella and win the cup. story. Oh my God. Yeah. That they're would, going that to really be the first be. team since 1924 to come back from a three to nothing down in the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, Do you know what and- amazes me about you hockey guys? And my yeah. sons are the same way. They can quote the stats, the numbers. So, what are you watching right now? Yeah. TV? If I'm not watching hockey, you mean? Yeah. Only when my boys are over. Okay. Right. It is essential when, when they come to visit, you got to have the game on, right. Or they won't come or they will honestly say, I'll come at seven when the game's done or something. But I've got this, I once, and I know that it's an obsession almost, and it's that million dollar listing show. I start watching that and I've got to see what happens. Did they sell it? What was the price they sold it for? Oh my goodness. So I started watching the million dollar listing New York. And it's right at the point where it's March 17th to 20th of 2020. Okay. And so they're filming them as the reality is hitting them. I realize these guys are actors. I know they pitch it as a reality show, but come on, they're actors. Uh, Yes. And they're real estate agents, but their reactions to what was happening in the world a year ago, they did allow cameras to film that not, or maybe they just did selfies or whatever in their homes during the first quarantine. I like that show too. I've watched all of them. So I haven't watched the latest season, but the New York, and I actually like the LA one better than the New York one for some reason. The Um, LA one's good, probably because the women are half dressed. (laughs) In the LA one, like honestly, you know me, I would never notice a thing like that. Okay. Um, At any rate, the women are so beautiful in Los Angeles. Oh my goodness. So I'm just going to switch gears here. Let's uh, review our topics for today, Serge. How about that? Okay. So we're going to start with jargon use on job postings. One of my favorite topics, and I've got lots to say about that. Then the next topic is something that you identified and I really want to talk more about. And that is we believe we're seeing 
not just a slow job market or more job postings than there are candidates or people looking. But I believe you coined a phrase that you're seeing a societal shift in how people look at work. So we're going to talk about that. I think that's that's so interesting. And then the third one, kind of fun, I think we'll both have lots to say about this as well. And that is the announcement today that TikTok now has TikTok resumes. And so I've looked at a few, I've got some thoughts about it, but yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that. So let's start, Serge, with this whole idea here about jargon. And I want to be clear, we're talking jargon and using it on job postings, but, and I want to be distinct that I'm not talking about acronyms. This is like jargon. My number one most hated, if I see this on another job ad, I'm going to barf. You must be a team. What the fuck does that mean? Like who would ever say that that's the irony. My claim to fame, Serge, is that I've interviewed thousands of people and every single interview, we've got to ask something to make sure this person believes that they're a team player. And I can tell you without exception ever in my career has somebody said that they are a cancer and they can't get along with people. Oh, and by the way, I'm always looking for dirt on you so I can embarrass you in meetings. Mm. (laughs) like seriously so So we know jargon is is used a ton in job description i think it's 40 percent of job ads out there have jargon and and jargon in in this context is exactly you say must be a team player dynamic self-starter self-starter taking it to the next level oh no (laughs) those that's what we mean by jargon so Um, when you read a job description with a bunch of this jargon. What's your initial thought about that company? First of all, because of the business we're in, I automatically think what they want to do is just be like everybody else. A lot of recruiters will just simply go onto a job board and copy whatever another company posted because it sounds good. And quite honestly, it's very safe because nobody's going to disagree with you describing the ideal candidate will be dynamic. Oh my God, like what the fuck does that mean? So there are words that nobody's going to take exception to. Okay. And every company likes to believe that describes their work environment. So they throw it on a job ad. So really, I think it's in a way, laziness, lack of training, you know, recruiters will always say they're they're too busy. Sorry, do you think it scares away some candidates when they see so much jargon on a job posting? Women, it can. Yeah, I guess the one that makes me cringe, and you can always tell when an HR person wrote it, not a recruiter, they use the term core competency. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So if you're trying to make me feel stupid, you go ahead and keep using that. Because have you met anyone who can really explain what core competency is? Like, really? What do you mean by that? So it's almost a I don't know, like a a kind of a sick flex, not Mm. a recruitment flex. I would think it's going to detract candidates from applying and, and and the data shows it because they surveyed young adults and basically 66% of the young applicants, if they didn't understand the full jargon, what the jargon and job description meant, they didn't apply, which makes sense because I'm not going to apply to something I'm like, Maybe I get the job or secondly, I, 
I'm an interview to ask me a question. I have no clue what they're talking about. No one wants to put themselves through that. So maybe there's an intimidation factor in that when you use those words. Then there's the other words like rock star or ninja. I almost use rock star, but I had the perfect situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The company was actually a rock company. It was a concrete and they had quarries. But even working for a company that basically rocks is their business, I still couldn't get myself to the point to use rock. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you resisted temptation. Just one last thing I want to comment about core competency. For me, when I see that term being used in a job posting, And then they've got a whole laundry list of bullet points underneath that. Because wouldn't you think core competency would really boil down to one or two things? Mm -hmm. And then you see a list that's eight bullet points long of what they believe the knowledge and skills are that you must have to do this job. The irony just absolutely kills me. Very good point. What do you think is the verticals or sectors or industries that use the most jargon? Of course, it's IT. So let me qualify that search. My former life, I was a systems analyst back in the 80s. Like when I finished school, that is what I did. And I remember thinking how no matter which company I went to work for, it's almost like you needed a dictionary when you started there to understand what did they mean by that? Because the the jargon that they use in big category being IT, but the jargon that they use, so much of it is really specific to them. And how it felt being in that industry to me was like, they think we need to have our own language to speak to one another. Because if we speak plainly, people will realize that there's really no magic to what we do. It's funny you say that. I, I definitely do think there's an air of superiority when it comes to IT folks in talking about their jobs. I think you're right. I think there's some elements that they don't need to use the jargon that they're using. They're using it to make themselves sound smarter. Should take a step back because we'll talk about this a little bit in the future, but there's actually uh, GitHub, which is very predominant in the developer world has come out with a tool that actually builds the code for you. So let's not get too overconfident when it comes to our (laughs) skill sets and they can't be replaced. Yeah. Um, But you were a hundred percent right. IT is the number one place where they use jargon. HR is number four. (laughs) Okay. Number two. And it's, it's upsetting because marketers should know better. It's marketing that uses the most jargon. Oh yes, ipsum lorium, ipsum lorium. (laughs) They do have a lot of jargon. I remember the first time I saw that and I thought, oh, am I supposed to know Latin? And they're like, no, no. (laughs) And they look down at me with that look on their face. Like you poor thing, you really don't understand. Uh, That's the placeholder. That's what we're just going to put in there until we've decided what the content will be. So let's switch topic. I think okay, this go. one is a very interesting Ooh, one. Oh, yes. I'm looking forward very, to this. If we look at right now, we're hearing tons of stories uh, from every side. First of all, a lot yeah. of companies say they can't hire people. And I want to focus on the service industry because I think that that one is the most relevant. And I actually shared a TikTok video on my LinkedIn page that talks so about good. someone working in retail of what yeah. actually a job description could be in. I worked in retail the first part of my career or even before my career started. And I can tell you, 
it's a fucking horrible job. People treat you like shit. You get paid like shit. You have horrible hours. So anyways, that video was funny, but it, it goes back to what we're seeing, I think, is not just a blip on the radar. We're seeing massive examples of companies not being able to hire for restaurants, retail, but then we're also seeing restaurants that the whole staff quits at once. And this Mm -hmm. is happening in multiple areas. The first thing that a lot of the business owners will say is people don't want to work anymore. Um, That's the first sense. Or because of COVID and the stimulus money, no one is incented to work, so we can't find anyone. And I don't think that's true. I think we are seeing a major societal change in how we view work and what the important is and what type of jobs that we need to do. Like if we look at the retail and restaurant and quick service, they've been having difficulties since 2015. So we're going back years before the pandemic. The pandemic has done a lot because a lot of people have been treated like shit. First of all, you're an essential worker. But also, we're going to treat you like shit. We're going to pay you like shit. But you're an essential worker. At one particular point, they're like, fuck you. I will go find another job because the whole job market has opened up. During COVID, a lot of of them actually took the time to increase their skills. They are now qualified for jobs that they can create some certainty in it. We'll start there. That's my initial Mm -hmm. like rant on it. But where's your head at? Are we seeing something that... It's just not a blip. This is going to be a completely different world in the coming years. So I love the fact that you brought up that this is nothing new about the service industry. Think back to McDonald's automating the ordering process because nobody wants to stand for eight hours a day um, taking the same orders. I'll have three fries and a drink, right? No human wants to do that. And there's no rocket science to doing it. So we give you a screen, it's a touch screen and, and order your own food. And that you're right, started a long time ago, 2015. That's quite some time ago, but you really touched a nerve. I think when you point out that there is a societal shift in the service industry and that people had time with their family, those that wanted to upskill realized that now's the time to do it. I remember my last kind of job in retail and I had a really fun job. I really did. I worked in a record store. Cool. I know. I'm just out of high school, hadn't started anything post-secondary and I'm working in a record store. And I remember looking at my paycheck and I had that moment like in Gone with the Wind where she says, God is my witness. I'll never work for minimum wage again. (laughs) And that was me. I'm like, never. Because when I saw that, And I thought, oh my goodness, I stood on my feet and you're never stopping. Like you're in motion, your whole shift, right? Yeah. Um, I absolutely call bullshit when companies say, oh, we can't increase our wages. We'll have to increase our prices. You know what? You and I have lived through the whole Fort McMurray story where they couldn't find anybody to work in the Tim Hortons in Fort McMurray, which made everybody very upset. So they, they had to increase the wages to $25 an hour. So were the prices that much different in Fort McMurray? Yes, they were a little bit more, but not that much more. There's some huge profit margins in donuts and coffee. If you consider, say they sell a cup of coffee for, I don't know, I'm getting a little too detailed here, but 
say a cup of, cup, cup of coffee sells for $2. Your cost all in, including wages is seven cents. Don't tell me you don't have profit margin when they are pushing through coffee cups, like thousands a day. So Shelly, I'm a capitalist. I believe in capitalism, but I also, this is one of the things that I'm having a really hard time because one of the examples is uh, a McDonald that put up a sign at their drive-thru saying, no one wants to work anymore. So be patient. Basically like a fuck you to the younger generation. So just took a glance of what the profit of McDonald was last year, $4.7 billion. That's with a B. Um, yeah. That's with a B. So I put that in context of how capitalism works. It's supply and demand. And there's a supply and demand when it comes to talent. I don't think there's a labor shortage. People don't want to get exploited anymore. Paying $7.25, which is the same rate that it was in 2009, we're now 11. Wow. And I'm talking about the US, 11 yeah, yeah. years yeah. after. Think about everything that's risen, housing prices, your costs. How can you justify keeping the minimum wage at $7.25? And what's really shocking, look at the restaurant industry, waitress in general, in the US, their base is $4 an hour. There's an actual loophole in the system. Anyone you're paying tips, your minimum wage can be much lower. In some states, it's like down to $2.15. Are you telling me that you can't afford to pay your people a living wage? Should you even be in business? Do you have a business? Because if I have a business that Good I'm point. buying widgets mm -hmm. and I can't afford to buy the widgets, yep. do I have a business? I don't. So in reality, stop complaining. If you cannot pay your people a living wage, you do not have a business. Don't blame the government on that. Don't blame the people that don't want to work. Mm -hmm. No, people want to work. They just don't want to work at your fucking shitty company. That's the problem. And yeah. if you have yeah. that attitude that people don't want to work, yes. Has society changed? Are people willing to do the jobs that our parents did, our grandparents did 100 years ago, 50 years ago? Maybe not, but the world has changed completely. So I think a lot of companies are going to struggle mightily unless they really you can solve this problem. Do you know how to solve this problem, Shelley? Um, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. And, and I think it applies outside of the service industry, but especially oh. in the service industry, because those skills that make you great, whether you are in service at a hotel or a McDonald's or a drive through those skills are transferable. And that was something I think a lot of people paid attention to. And the fact is, we do need to be able to provide. And there, as much as I too am a capitalist, I believe you need to, companies need to make a profit, right? Nobody does this to lose money. And so simply put, they just, they really need to pay a decent wage. So you get no pushback from me on that. There's a couple things. So decent wage, one, mm -hmm. but also the biggest issue in the service industry, especially the pandemic has accelerated this is like, you have no consistency in your shifts. You're working at all time. How do you raise a family? How do you create consistency in your life, especially when your mm -hmm. kids are at home? You can't go back to work if your kids are not in school and they're doing online yeah. learning. So there's a lot of elements that, yeah, this is a challenge. The other thing in the US, these people don't have health benefits. And as we know, mm -hmm. if 
health benefits are provided through work in the US. So if you do not have health benefits through your job, you're basically screwed. So I know all of these add costs. But if you're not willing to pay those costs of are the cost of doing business, don't complain to me about that you can't find workers. Yeah, you can find workers, pay them a living wage. And the example is so there's an ice cream store in Pittsburgh. I know that I've been to and they increased their rate from $8 an hour to $15 an hour. Within a week, they hired 15 people. They were fully staffed and price did not go up. And there's tons yeah, yeah. of those examples. The answer is simple. Pay people, try to create consistency. If you're the US, you need to offer help. People are going to look for jobs that have health benefits, especially coming off a pandemic. It'll be interesting. Two years from now, I think we're going to be having the same issue because just until they get to the point that they're actually paying their folks a good wage and giving them a consistency to their schedule, they're fucked. Mm -hmm. So last little topic here, and not just a little one, very interesting. You pointed out that today, TikTok launched their own job board. TikTok resumes. And interestingly enough, as a job board, something that you pointed out was in the age category of 18 to 29. Yeah. You said 50% of people in that age group use TikTok. So the age 18 to 29, 50% of people have used or use TikTok compared to one third of people 18 to 29 have used or use LinkedIn. So we always talk about, and this is a message that I've been saying for years is you got to be where your job seekers are. And if your job seekers are on TikTok, you need to be there. Okay. Let's discuss. Yeah. What do you mean so by that? What do you mean by be there? So tell me when we talk about using TikTok, is that for brand awareness? Because this is a whole different kettle of fish because they're now it's a job board. Yeah. And so using TikTok or any social media in terms of just knowing who you are as an employer for just awareness. Before we actually go a little bit deeper, one of the things that I want to point out, and I get these questions all the time when it comes to different technology and, and different things you can use, mm -hmm. you got to know what your audience is. Uh, if your audience is 18 to 29 and you have perfected the other elements of your recruitment strategy, because if you can't figure out how to get your candidates to apply for a job, they have a horrible candidate experience. TikTok's not the place to start. Like, not going to fix it. Yeah. Not yeah. going to fix it. Excellent. But what point. I mean yeah. by that is like anything, if you're a marketer, you market where your targeted audience is. And if your audience is on TikTok and will be using this service, it's not a bad thing to be <laughs> there and to market to them. But I, I do want to say this is not open to all companies right now. There's a select few companies. I think it's 20 companies, maybe a little bit more that are on tiktokresumes.com. And the whole premise behind it is you can post your job and you can create a TikTok video about your company. Then people can look at the jobs that you have available and apply by creating a TikTok resume. 
That's basically how it works. It circumvents your ATS because these resumes are not going to your ATS in mm. any way. So it's a standalone platform, which is not ideal. And I think is mm-hmm. the biggest issue with this tool because pretty much everything that doesn't go through the ATS eventually dies from what I've seen. And how do you get these to flow through an ATS and through a recruitment process? So there is a target audience of companies, but if we look at the company, so Target is on there like target i don't know how they're managing this but i'm assuming they have someone dedicated to go through these video resumes and and they have a whole strategy behind it there's also great clips shopify the wwe really they're hiring (laughs) yeah okay Um, wwe is massive okay okay Chipotle. So there is a bunch of really interesting companies. Mm-hmm. So I do recommend everyone to go on tiktokresumes.com. Take a look at the examples of videos uh, they've created. Um, I love their trying. Do you know, I'm that's not- something I've always said is I only get nervous when companies stop trying and stop innovating. That's what makes me nervous is when I see them do nothing. What I thought was really interesting, because I took a, a look at it and, and they have some examples there of TikTok resumes that candidates have done. So the perception is that 18 to 29 year olds are maybe only looking for their first job. I don't know, like the resumes that I saw in there were the ones who would say be finished some post-secondary, they've got some experience under their belt and they're ready to make a change. Yeah. The other thing is, I wonder how, like you say, are they going to get someone sitting there watching TikTok? Like who in your HR team gets to do that? (laughs) I would love that. But you got to put in perspective, like the average time a recruiter spends on a resume is what, six to 10 seconds? I Right. So now they're going to sit there and watch three minute videos. 60 second videos generally is the case, but... Are you going to get 300 applicants or are you going to get 10 really focused one as well? Would I rather watch 10 60 second videos or go through 300 boring resumes? I'll take looking at videos any day, especially the ones because what's really great about TikTok is the editing tool is pretty amazing. You can make some really cool content all you need is is an iPhone or an Android. And we've talked about this as well is it is the next century or maybe I'm going even too far is it's for the artists. And when I say artists Ooh. is people Good creating reminder. content, mm-hmm. creating the ability to communicate a message is what every company is looking for. That's what marketing looks like now. That's what sales looks like now. So having people that can execute on these types of tools And showcase it to me is interesting. So question for you, do you think you would get more or less people applying and you think it'd be way more targeted compared to someone just like crazy hitting the LinkedIn or indeed one click apply? Is there value behind getting less applicants but more focus up? Of course. And I'm a big advocate for actually putting some fucking effort into attracting candidates because it's the craziest thing. It's like magnets, right? If you've got a magnet and you're putting it to metal, guess what you attract? It's the same thing for companies that are taking this leap on TikTok to do something. But you can be Chipotle and complain that we can't compete with working for Hilton hotels. But yeah, you can. Because I believe that companies that put that sort of effort 
into attracting and it's not like you're going to slap up a boring job ad on, on TikTok resumes, are you? No. So guess what you're going to attract? It's just so simple. It's the simple law of attraction. And I'm not making that shit up. It just is. If, if, if you will put in some creativity, some originality, they obviously have defined their target audience, 18 to 29 year olds. You're going to get back what you put in. Yeah. That's my take. So they will be successful for that audience and not just because it's TikTok, but because they put in the effort. Yeah, I agree. And I think you made a really good point. TikTok is just a medium here. They're taking a platform that is already the fastest growing social network in history. And Mm -hmm. I, I gotta say it is the best social network. I'm not in that age group, but the type of content and creativity that comes out of it is really mind-blowing. And people think about it's just people dancing. Go spend some time on TikTok. You want to learn how to be a woodworker? You can get really specific 60-second clips of showing you really cool things to do be a woodworker or how to use Excel and these tips like TikTok compared to just the pure shit that Facebook is and the pure vanity of Instagram, I think TikTok has by far the superior social media network out there. I think they have the Mm -hmm. best platform. Putting that in perspective, I think this is what might kill it is it won't work with ATS and getting candidates and how slow recruitment and HR it is to making some adjustments for it to work. I think that will probably end up killing. Chat and cheese will probably be right that it will die, but I'm hoping not. I'm hoping this actually makes an impact. So what I think is it will inspire something else. True. So if you take a look at trying to marry the likes of a LinkedIn and TikTok, so that's my biggest beef with LinkedIn is they have not innovated a single goddamn thing so much potential. What are you talking about? You can actually now record your name so people know how to pronounce it. Isn't that the most innovative thing? No. And the fact I'm kidding, by the way, No, I know, I know you're kidding. Good God. And would not surprise me, even in the mentorship that I'm doing right now with young women in business. And I'm talking about, do you have a LinkedIn profile? These are young women in business, new grads. They're like, I'm really not sure what to do on LinkedIn. Like it's not intuitive. No. It's not. And so when I show them what it is, they're like, oh, I get it. Oh, okay. Holy smokes. Another disconnect with post-secondary. Like I'm talking universities and other post-secondary big fail in what they're teaching students, how to search for a job. It just so happens that my mentee is in the HR program. And so I'm getting a firsthand look at what they're teaching. Anyways, maybe that's another episode. I think that's a good episode. Okay. Anything else going on in your world, Shelly? Um, I think I'm looking forward to a really good summer. I think business is good and all of the old people in my life are healthy. So I'm grateful for that every day. Are you what ready for you? your hot girl summer? I don't think that's going to happen. But anyway, we can always dream. That's the other law of attraction. All right, hey. Shelly. Have a great weekend. And Thanks, Serge. We'll thank you everyone for listening. Talk to soon.
What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On Press Box Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on Press Box Access.